If you have your Bibles, I want you to open them up with me. You guessed it. First Thessalonians. Fourth week. First Thessalonians. We're walking through this text, just asking God to speak to our hearts from his word about a church that was contagious. I mean, a, a people of God that were used in such an incredible way that the word of God says in the first chapter, and we looked at this a few weeks ago, Paul said in verse, uh, in verse 6 that this church had become imitators of him because they welcomed the message of God in the midst of severe suffering with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. The fact that this church thrived in the most inopportune circumstances. He goes on to say, and so you became a model to other churches. You know, it's funny what we look at as models, isn't it? We look at the ones that seem to not have any problems. We call those the models. We look at the churches that are busting at the seams. We look at the individuals with perfect skin complexion and you know, everything's just perfect, and we go, oh, those, that's the model, that's the example. Not according to Paul. Paul said everything that could go wrong was going wrong. And yet somehow, in the midst of intense adversity, you held on to joy. Which can only happen because you have the Holy Spirit. And because you were filled with the Spirit and you held on to joy in the midst of terrible circumstances, you became the model. And not only that, he said the Lord's message rang out from you. Not only here in Macedonia, not only in Achaia, but it became known. Your faith in God became known everywhere. I want to be an influential church. Now, let me back up on that. I want to be an influential Christian. The other part demands cooperation from the rest of you. But whether you cooperate or not, my heart before God, and hopefully yours is, I want, I want to be a contagious Christian. And I don't, I don't mean that in a way that people look at me and go, man, there's just something about that guy. We like that guy. I don't mean contagious in the carnal, fleshly sense of, of you know, wow, there's, man, there's, everybody wants, that's the place to be. Everybody wants to go there. In fact, people are leaving their church to go there because it's just the place to be. I don't want to be that kind of contagious. I mean, I want to be the kind of Christian that when I go through the tough stuff, when I go through hell on earth and all of the onslaught of the enemy and yet because I'm filled with the Spirit of God I hold on to a deep and abiding and sustaining joy that people just say wow tell me about that way tell me about that truth tell me about that life what is going on with that guy that was church of Thessalonica. We've been looking at this church. If you got your Bibles and get them out. If you don't have a Bible, we have some in the, in the seat racks there you can grab. I want to encourage you to get a Bible in your hand. Now, I'm not throwing stones at anybody that prefers a digital Bible, an iPad, an iPhone, or whatever kind of phone. You can use that if you want. But I just want to say, personally, I am super excited to be holding my Bible I made a terrible mistake this week. 
I went on a I went on a trip. I was at a conference Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. I came back yesterday, and uh, I had four books with me. I, I know I'm an overpacker. Like four days, four books, not going to happen. But I'm a little indecisive too. And I had these three books that I was kind of in the middle of and thought, well, I can kind of finish that out. And this other book that I was looking forward to coming in the mail came in the mail on Tuesday. So it was like new book smell. That one had to go, you know. (laughs) So I've got four books packed and I'm looking at all my stuff and I'm like, I'm going to be at this conference and I've got my Bible then. And I'm like, man, if I have all these books and I put, this is going to be so heavy. You know what I'll do? I'll, I'll use my phone, because I've got like five Bibles on my phone. So that'll save space. So I took the other four books, and can I just tell you, I have missed my Bible. <laughs> this week, man, I'm sitting in this conference, and I'm like, I, I just, I want, I want to feel the pages between my fingers. I want to underline stuff. I want to highlight things. I want to write in the margin. If God says something to me, I want to put a date next to it and never forget the moment he spoke it. I missed my Bible. So you can read whatever you want, but I'm glad I got my Bible this morning. I don't know if there's a message in that, but you should have one, whatever kind you have, have one. Look at uh, 1 Thessalonians with me, chapter, we're going to end chapter 2, and then I want to get into chapter 3, but we're going to read the last part of chapter 2, because it gives a little bit of context to what's happening. So starting in verse 17, Now, my Bible has a subheading that helps me know what's about to happen. The subheading is Paul's longing to see the Thessalonians. So if you missed all the other uh, services in this series, understand that Paul, the author, is writing to this church that he started in Thessalonica. And at this moment, he really wants to see them again. And he says these words, verse 17, look at it with me. But, brothers and sisters... When we were orphaned by being separated from you for a short time in person, not in thought, out of our intense longing, we made every effort to see you. Now, if you don't know anything about Paul or his story and you read that sentence, you might go, oh, that's so tragic. Did his parents die in Thessalonica? How old is this guy, Paul? What do you mean he was orphaned? No, his parents didn't die. No, he wasn't dependent on anyone else. But when Paul was describing what it felt like to be away from this church that he loved so much, he he chose the strongest words that he could think of. He said, oh, we miss you guys. We can't wait to see you again. Hey, maybe maybe we can stop in next year. No, he said, we were orphaned. We were bereaved. It It was like we lost a loved one. It was like you died. We were not able to be there in our heart wants to be there so desperately. This is the the love that this little letter communicates that Paul had for this church. He said, we were orphaned to not be able to be with you. He loved this church. It was a powerful church. There's one part of that verse I don't like, though. And it's the part that says, he says, we were separated from you. And then he adds, in person, not in thought. I'll tell you why I don't like that. Because I've heard a lot of church people use that verse uh, to not be with church. We're with you in thought. As if that's enough. Let me tell you, that was not enough for Paul. He felt orphaned. 
You know, people take that verse of scripture that Paul said in 1 Corinthians 5, 3. He said, though I'm not with you, physically I'm with you in spirit. How many of you have heard some good godly saint say that? I'm with you in spirit. Really? How's the beach? I'm with you in spirit. You know what I mean? Like, uh, now it's summer. I got nothing against vacation. I'm not saying, you know, you know, I'm not clotheslining anybody. If you're not here, you're, you know, going to hell or something like that. But how many of you heard somebody do that before, honestly? Oh, no, I'm with you in spirit. I'm like, no, you're not. I didn't feel, since you once, you know, we, we abuse that. Paul is, Paul's saying it's not enough for me to be with you in thought. It's not enough for you to be with you in spirit. Yes, my heart's tied to you. I love you. I'm for you. I'm thinking about you. But here's my desire. I want to be with you. I want to, I want to be in your presence. I want to get together again so desperately. Look at the next verse. There's only one thing that would have kept Paul from getting there. And here it is, verse 18. For we wanted to come to you. Certainly I, Paul, did again and again. But Satan blocked our way. You know, the devil will do that sometimes. You can have your heart set on something. On a good thing. On a God thing. You can have your heart so set on, on what you... That, man, I just... Oh, I just want to be with the people. And as you read through, you know why. It wasn't like, oh, I miss my friends. I'm homesick. No. Paul's like, I want to, I want to complete your faith. I want to add to what you're missing. I want to encourage you. I want to build you up. I want to expand the kingdom. All things that, that he was called to do by God. Spirit-filled to do. All things that, that God had honored. And yet, here he is saying, I can't do it. I, I mean, I've tried. I've tried again and again. And Satan blocked us. He blocked us. We couldn't get there. He wants to get there, but look at verse 19 and 20. We'll end this chapter, then we'll move on. For what is our hope and our joy or the crown in which we will glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus when he comes? Is it not you, Thessalonians? Indeed, you are our joy. You're our glory and our joy. There's something about this church. They were contagious. We've said that a lot, but I just want you to kind of drill down for a moment on what that actually means. What is that all about? Well, the answer to that question is in answering Paul's question. His question is, what is our crown? In which we will glory in the presence of Jesus when he comes. Have you ever thought about that moment? When you're actually standing physically. I'm not talking about a Sunday morning worship service. When you're standing in the presence of Jesus. Have you thought about what that's going to look like? Have you thought about what gift are you going to bring to the King of Kings? And the Lord of Lords. You know, kings brought gifts the first time he came. Of gold and frankincense and myrrh. We often rehearse that story every Christmas. But the king of kings is coming again. And by the way, he's the king of kings because you're kings. He's called us to a royal priesthood. 
We are the sons and the daughters of God. We are royalty. What will you bring when you stand before the king of kings? What's going to be your gift? Have you ever tried to buy a gift for somebody who has everything? That's tough. You know, you're trying to think really creative. Maybe I'll make something. I don't know. Something that they don't have. He owns it all. He has it all. What can I bring him? Paul knew the answer to that question. Paul said, one of these days, I'm going to stand in the presence of Jesus. And when I see him, and I bring my gift to him, you know who it's going to be? It's going to be you, church. It's, it's going to be all those people in Thessalonica that, that I went and preached to. Those people that even in the midst of intense persecution, even though I had just been beaten in the previous city, I showed up and I proclaimed the gospel anyway. And you are You're our joy. You're the crown of our life. The fact that you are loving and serving Jesus. I just ask you a question. When you stand before Jesus, are you going to have a gift like that to give to him? It's not a gift that's just reserved for preachers or apostles. There's nothing greater that you could do on that day than to stand in the presence of God and say, look, Jesus. Here's my husband. Here's my kids. Look, Jesus, there's my co-worker. Look, Jesus. Look look over there. It's one of the ones that you died for. I brought him. I brought him to you. That, That thought, it absolutely drove the Apostle Paul. And now that he was away from the church and he felt orphan from them and he couldn't be there he was nothing nothing he wanted more than to just to go back and make sure that they didn't crumble under the persecution that they didn't fold he just wanted to know that they were still doing okay he wanted to know and he lived in expectation of the coming of the lord and so should we and so while he's living every day thinking this could be the day this could be the last day jesus could come back today At any moment, at the end of this book, he says the Lord's going to come like a thief in the night. He lived that way. He believed that. And so every day he just hoped and he prayed and he wondered, if he comes today, is the church in Thessalonica ready? If he comes today, will I have a beautiful gift to bring to my Savior? I hope they're there. I hope they're there. And so he says, I tried again and again to come. I wanted to come by... I couldn't get there. I couldn't get there. Now let's go to chapter 3. He says, so. Same thought. So, when we could stand it no longer, we thought it best to be left by ourselves in Athens. We sent Timothy, who is our brother and co-worker in God's service, in spreading the gospel of Christ to strengthen and encourage you in your faith so that no one would be unsettled by these trials. For you know quite well that we are destined for them. In the first two chapters of this little letter, Paul Paul was defending the gospel, his ministry to them. 
In chapter 1, he's defending the credibility of their faith. In chapter 2, he was defending his own ministry. And, and we looked at that uh, last week and how he defended his own ministry and how they received the gospel. But now that he's apart from them and he just wants to be back with them, he just wants to connect with them, he wants to know how they're doing. He wants to know that their faith is established. He says these words. He said, finally, so when we could stand it, no longer. We had an idea. Let's send Timothy. I, I can't get there. Let's send Timothy. As I was looking at this word, the, the thought jumped out to me. He said, when we could stand it, no longer. Did you know that sometimes God will frustrate your plans? Did you know sometimes that God will allow failure to come into your life so that He can reveal His will for you? Paul's heart was pure, but he was stubborn. Like a lot of us. He said, we, we tried to come to you. And God's saying, just send Timothy. He's going, well, let's try again next week. Again and again. We tried, we tried, but Satan blocked us. We tried, we tried. And you know what? Sometimes God will even use the devil as a little pawn. And that's what the Bible tells us in Genesis 50. What Satan meant for evil, God turned for good, for the saving of many people. That's what happened here in this story. I'm about to show you why and how. But God will even allow the enemy to frustrate you, to cause failure in your life. Just to, to break down your stubborn streak enough to say, hey... Maybe we should do this a different way. Maybe we should try something else. And Paul said, we tried again and again to get to you and, and we couldn't get to you. So finally, finally, we had this idea. We're going to send Timothy. And he said, we thought it best to be left alone in Athens. We thought it best to be left alone. In Athens. Can I just tell you, the reason it took so long for Paul to get it is because he didn't want to be alone in Athens. He didn't want to be alone anywhere. I mean, we've rehearsed this story in, in previous weeks, but let me give you the, the cliff notes. Acts 16, Paul goes to Philippi, he preaches, he casts the devil out of a girl, he gets thrown in prison and beaten with rods. He gets up and leaves that place, goes to Thessalonica, preaches, a church gets started, a riot stirs up, he gets run out of town. Goes to Berea, preaches. The people from Thessalonica that didn't like him come to Berea, stir up a riot. He has to be uh, snuck out in the middle of the night. Being by yourself, given his track record, is not a good idea. Paul's going, I don't want Timothy to leave. I don't want Silas to leave. Let's figure out another way that we can get all three of us back to Thessalonica. That's what we want to do. That's the wise thing to do, right? Strengthen numbers. Let's use wisdom. Let's use man's ways. Let's come up with our ingenuity in the way that we think we know how it's supposed to be done. I know I'm still talking about Paul and not you, but just go with me. Paul didn't want to go to Athens by himself. He's only in Athens because he's been chased out of every other town. And finally, he goes, ah, okay, we, we, finally, we finally decided it's best that I stay here by myself. In Athens. And I, and I just sent Timothy. But you know what happened? In Athens? It, it picks up in, in Acts chapter 16. 
The Bible says that, you know, Timothy had gone back to Thessalonica to get a report, which he's about to give to Paul later in chapter 3 of 1 Thessalonians. But if you go over to Acts chapter 17, you see that Paul was all by himself. You know, you think deeper when you're all by yourself, don't you? Sometimes it's not that God's not speaking to us. It's that we're just too busy. We're just too cluttered. We just got too much going on in our life to actually be attentive to what God's trying to to say and to respond to what God's doing. But you get into Acts chapter 17. And it says in verse 16. While Paul was waiting for them in Athens... He was greatly distressed to see that that city was full of idols. So Paul is so focused on getting back to Thessalonica. That is all he wants to do. And maybe you're in a situation. I'm not trying to insert you too much into this, but maybe this is you. You know what God wants you to do. And you're so focused on what God wants you to do and where he wants you to be. And you're not there yet. And you don't know why Satan has blocked you again and again. And things have not worked out. But the reality is you are completely unaware today of where you are. And maybe God is allowing frustration and failure that has to do with your future because he has something for you to do where you are. And so Paul finally says, you guys go without me. I don't know how long he was in Athens before that happened, but he did say again and again we tried. So the the feeling is he's, he's been there a little while and all of a sudden now that he's alone waiting in Athens He notices there's a whole lot of statues in this city. There's a lot of idols around here. Now, what's going on in Athens? It goes on to say, verse 23, Paul says, I'm in Acts 17. For as I walked around and I looked carefully At your objects of worship. He's talking to the Athenians here. I even found an altar with this inscription. To an unknown God. These people are worshiping all these statues. All these false gods. They don't know the living God. And he's looking. Because he's slowed down. And accepted the fact that I'm not getting back to Thessalonica. Not today anyway. So Let me see what what God will do in Athens. And now he has an audience. But because he slowed down and he got alone, he had an angle. He got to know these people. He didn't just stand up on a soapbox and start preaching. He actually lived in the community. He walked through the town. He got to know the folks there. And he said, I noticed you guys have a lot of statues. And you worship all of them. But I noticed you got this one statue over there that's just engraved to the unknown God. Well, guess what? I know the unknown God. And I want to tell you about it. Paul goes on in that message to even quote some of their own poets. He wasn't just soapbox preaching. He was listening. He was paying attention. He heard some of their own poets. And he quoted it. Used it as a scripture or used it as a a sermon illustration. What happened is all of a sudden Paul Begins to preach the gospel. And the Bible says there were people there that got saved. 
People got saved in Athens. And then he's still there in Athens and he's preaching. So he decides to go on over to Corinth. Acts 18. All by himself. But when he gets there, he meets this awesome man and woman of God named Priscilla and Aquila. So he meets Aquila and his wife Priscilla and, and, and he's a tent maker. And so are they. And so they start working together and they start sharing faith together. And he pours into their life, not where he wanted to be. Still trying to, he can't wait for Timothy to get back. He can't wait to hear what's going on in the Thessalonian church. But while I'm here, I'm not going to waste my days. I'm not going to waste my opportunity. He starts pouring into Aquila and Priscilla. And if you study the story out, what ends up happening at the end of chapter 18 in Acts is there's another young man who's got a gift of God. He's an eloquent speaker, one of the most effective communicators of the day. His name is Apollos. And he comes in preaching with fire and and charisma, but he doesn't have full grasp on the scriptures. And so Aquila and Priscilla, who's had the luxury of spending quality time with the Apostle Paul, who was sidelined from what he really wanted to do, they go and sit down with Apollos. And Aquila and Priscilla disciple him and train him and get him straight theologically. And the Bible says, while Paul does get the opportunity to go back to Thessalonica down the road and he meets with Paul or Timothy and Silas in Corinth, This young man, Apollos, stays back. Now there's a new, powerful, anointed man of God to lead the church. In Corinth. Why? Because Satan blocked us. It's awesome how God wants to turn Satan's plans for your good. But if we're, if, if we're, if we're stubborn and I want to say bullheaded. I don't know if anybody says that around here. My dad used to say that. Bullheaded. If we, don't, if we don't listen to the Holy Spirit trying to redirect us and order our steps, we'll sit in a place of frustration and a lack of usefulness. And we'll make excuses. I know what God wants me to do. I, I, maybe you're this way. I know, I know what God has for my future. He showed it to me. I just can't get there. Things don't work out. I, I've talked to so many young people over the years that have said, I, I know I have a call of God on my life. Maybe they were at a youth camp at one time and somebody prayed over them and they felt the Holy Spirit and somebody prophesied over them and, and they know I'm, I'm called into the ministry. I know I am. But what happens is because they're not there yet. Maybe they can't afford to, to uh, go to Bible school or, or for whatever reason, they're not, they're not there yet. Their frustration has put them in a place uh, of ineffectiveness. And my comment to those people are always the same. Like, listen, God may have, God may have you pastor a mega church one day, but you need to be serving in the ministry right now. You need to be doing something. I don't know what tomorrow holds. I don't know what you're going to do, but you ought to be volunteering as a greeter this Sunday. Because you don't get from here to there by wishful thinking. You get from here to there by being spirit led and by saying today, God, I know, I know I'm frustrated that I haven't got where I want to be, but I'm here today. What do you want to do? How do you want to use me today? So that's, that's where Paul's at in first Thessalonians. He's waiting, but he's not sitting on his hands. He's taking the gospel to Athens. 
He's taking the gospel to Corinth. He's encouraging the saints. He's thrusting them out to make disciples of other people who will become preachers and lead the church. And it all happened. It all happened because of 1 Thessalonians 2, 18. We wanted to come to you. Certainly, I, Paul, did. Again and again. But Satan blocked the way. Can I tell you, the opposite of success is not failure. The opposite of success is experience. Didn't work out. It didn't work out the way we wanted, but man, we learned something. You know, Thomas Edison, you've probably heard this said before, tried over a thousand times to invent the light bulb. And as the story goes that, you know, people ask him, like, man, how do you deal with the fact that you failed a thousand times? He said, I haven't failed a thousand times. I've learned a thousand ways not to invent a light bulb. The story goes that the little filament paper he was trying to, to find for the light bulb. I mean, he sent people out to Africa, to Jamaica, to China, all over, trying to find the right materials to make it work. History says that the, the, the filament for the, the carbon of the incandescent lamp, he, when it didn't work, he'd throw it out the window. And the pile was so high that it went to the second story. And I don't know if that's hyperbole or if that's truth. All that to say, he failed a lot. But in reality, he just gained a lot of experience. Now we could sit on our hands and say, Satan blocked us. Or we can say, I haven't failed. God is using that enemy as a pawn to reposition me for purpose. There's something God wants me to do in the meantime. There's something God has for me today. If I had my health back, I'd be doing this. Yeah, but you don't. So what are you doing right now? Maybe God's made you to lay down beside still waters so that you'll become an intercessor. So that you'll become a prayer warrior. Well, if I had, if I had a better job, I would do this. But you don't. Satan blocked me. Yeah, but God opened a door. I heard somebody say before, if God doesn't open a door... Jump through a window. But don't stop. Don't stop. Keep moving. Keep doing what God wants us to do. Believe it or not, I was going to preach to verse 13. That's not happening. I want to pray for you. And to me, that's way more important than the rest of my message. Because here's what Paul does. We'll wrap this up. Paul... Paul can't be there. He wants to be there. He can't be there. So he does send Timothy. He sends Timothy for a very specific purpose. And I want to just read it to you. It's in verse 2. We already looked at it earlier, but I want to highlight two words. We sent Timothy, who is our brother and co-worker in God's service in spreading the gospel, to do two things. He said to strengthen and encourage you in your faith. We sent Timothy. I feel like a sent one today. 
I feel like, I feel like God sent me to strengthen you and encourage you. That word strengthen, uh, it means to fortify. It's like to buttress something. Like you, you can undergird something. You know, the Bible says that, that if we, if the Lord is not the builder of the house, then those that labor, labor in vain. And for some of you, you've been laboring and you feel weak and you feel tired. The Lord sent me to strengthen you. Not in and of my own strength. Certainly, Timothy couldn't strengthen him in his own strength. He's already given his qualifications in the first part of the verse. He said Timothy was a co-worker in God's service in spreading the gospel. How was Timothy going to strengthen them with the gospel? Not a pat on the back. Not, hey, just wanted you to know Paul's been thinking about you. He couldn't make it this trip, sorry. Thanks. You know they're still throwing stones at us in Thessalonica, right? No. He strengthened him in the gospel. And he encouraged them. That word encouraged, it literally means to come alongside. To come alongside. That's what Timothy came to do. Not to just send him an official certified letter. He said, no, I'm going back. I'm going to just do, I'm going to get in the trenches with him. I'm going to do life with him. I understand it's tough for you guys. You're being persecuted. But you know what? I want to be persecuted with you. I want to come and share in your sorrows and rejoice in your victories. I'm coming to strengthen and encourage you. And can I tell you that you're sent to? Yeah, it's not just Timothy. It's not just me. It's not the fivefold ministry that's sent. Jesus commissioned us as sent ones to go into all the world and preach the gospel. He commissioned us as the church in Hebrews 10 to not forsake assembling together as some are in the manner of doing, but to all the more encourage one another, even more and more as we see the day approaching. What day is that? It's the day that Paul was anticipating. It's the day that Paul was over. I'm going to send Timothy to encourage you because one of these days Jesus is coming back and when he does, I want to make sure I've got a crown. I want to make sure I've got a gift to give him. And one of my most fondest, precious gifts is the church that Jesus let me be a part of in Thessalonica. So I'm sending Timothy to encourage you to make sure that on that day, you're there and there's somebody that God has sent you to to make sure that they are there on that day. I want to ask you to stand with me all over this room. We haven't done this the last couple of weeks. And I, I want to give a moment right now. I, I know it's, it's seven minutes after 12. I know what time it is. If you take medication, it's 12.07. Okay? 12.07. But I want to give a moment at the end of this service. For you to be strengthened and encouraged. Don, would you just begin to set the atmosphere? We're going to pray. Just as we did earlier in this service. We're going to seek God. If that's you today, you say, I need to be strengthened and encouraged. Or maybe. Maybe you just need God to give you a fresh perspective. On failure and frustration. Because it's all you've been seeing. With your natural eye. Holy Spirit wants you to lift. Those tired eyes. And see the opportunity. That he. Is creating for you. Not some future hope. I'm talking about present purpose. 
There's something that God has for you. Maybe you know what it is. Maybe you don't know what it is. But if you're here today and boy, the Holy Spirit's just speaking to you. We've got some men and women in this church. They gathered in my office before the service. There's others with them that they want to pray with you. They anticipate this moment. Why? Because we feel like God has sent us to strengthen you and encourage you. So if that's you today, you say, you know what? I I just want to receive from God. I want to drink from the fountain one more time. I want to invite you right now from where you are. Would you just slip out into the aisle and find a way to this altar? We just want want to pray with you. We want to encourage you. I want you to find strength today. Don't be afraid to just ask somebody, excuse me, can I, can I get by? I just Maybe ask me if they want to go with you. They may need it. Come on, let's just begin to thank the Lord for His presence as people are coming. Father, we just thank you. I need some more people to pray. Would some of you that, that want to just agree in prayer with someone come and join some of these today? Thank you, God. Lord, we just want to surround our brothers and sisters in Christ. God, thank you that you called us as the church to add strength and encouragement to those who are weary. Lord God, today I pray that you would begin to lift our eyes above the frustration of circumstance, above the the tactics of the enemy to stop us and to block us from fulfilling the plan and purpose of God. Thank you, Lord God, that no weapon that's formed against us will prosper. Thank you, Lord God, that greater is He that is in us than He that is in this world. Thank you, Lord God, that if you are for us, who can be against us? Thank you, Lord, that the steps of the righteous are ordered by God and the stops of the righteous are ordered by God too. And so, Lord, this morning, Lord, if someone here is in a place of frustration because it feels like they can't move forward, Lord, may they be still and know that you are God. That you're in this place. You're in this moment. Lord, open their eyes to the circumstances around them. If they can't go, Lord, may they be effective in the staying and in the waiting. Lord, order our steps. And order our stops. And build your kingdom in and through us. God, as we leave this place today, God, may we leave with eyes lifted up. May we see the circumstance of the community around us. May we see all the false gods and all of the false hopes that people around us are banking on. May we walk into their situation and into the conversation and speak their language and and understand their culture and present to them the unknown God. God, anoint us in whatever season we're in right now. God, thank you for what you have down the road, but God, anoint your church today to carry your gospel when it's in season and when it's out of season, in the places where it's popular, in the places where people don't want to hear it, in the places where people want to build the kingdom, and in the places where people just want to talk philosophy. God, use us to be contagious, to come alongside and walk with others the way that you sent Timothy. God, send us, send us 
I know there are many here today who may be weary in your faith. You're struggling to trust God, to believe God, to know that all things do work together for your good. But God, I pray that you would send some of us to walk with them. God, let our faith rub off on them. Let our confidence rub off on them. Let our hope be their hope. Thank you, Father, today. Right now, you're restoring. You're restoring strength and integrity where there was weakness. God, right now, you're encouraging and building up the saints in their most holy faith. We receive it right now. All that you have for me, God. All that you have for me. Would you just let that be your prayer? God, I receive. I receive today. God, give me clarity. I receive today. Thank you, Father. Thank you for this precious time with your people. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said amen.